Welcome to this recording from Crossroad International Church. In today's message, we will learn how to have a right perspective. Contrary to what some may think, we will discover proper perspective of our problems doesn't come from making our problems smaller in our own eyes, but instead by discovering just how big our God is. It is our prayer that God will use this recording to minister to you today, and that by the end of it, you will have a better perspective on just how awesome our God truly is. We will now join Pastor Dell in the message already in progress. You know, sometimes you get these messages and you're just like, God, please help me to be able to convey (laughs) what you've shown me. Um, And I really want to just take a look at how amazing and how awesome God is. And to put that into words is like, I don't know, trying to pour the Atlantic Ocean into a glass, right? It's, it's just, it's how do you do that? And I, you know, as you, as you study scripture and I was preparing, I mean, just scripture after scripture, I mean, my notes were ridiculously long, like, because there was like, you know, a hundred scriptures that I wanted to share with you because there's so many, it's all throughout the Bible, how amazing and how awesome our God is. And so, uh, so I tried to condense it. So I think I'm down to about two and a half hours. So, um, It'll be good. I'm just kidding. Please don't leave, especially if you're new. We won't go that long. My wife's about to make a, a beeline for the door here. So I, I want to discuss today just something about called perspective. We all know what perspective is. We can use it in many sense, sense of the word, you know, and how to explain something or how you see something. But two points or two ways I want to discuss perspective is one is, is what we see, or I'm sorry, how we see something. And the second thing is what we do with what we've seen, all right? Um, if we can go to the, the next slide. One of my favorite uh, things to do with when it comes to discussing perspective, has anybody seen like a piece of art that's just amazing? Is somebody into art? You know, Picasso, Rembrandt, and anything. Joshua, my son, no? He's amazing. Um, so, but the thing with art, it is, it's, it's fascinating, but there's, there's a perspective it's supposed to be viewed from. Whether you're supposed to see or know what the setting is or the different types of materials. One of the, the most amazing things I've come across is chalk, all right? There's, uh, has anybody heard of Julian Beaver? A few people. Uh, if you haven't, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that he does. What he does is he, he does these sidewalk chalk drawings, okay? All over the world, companies pay him to come in and do these sketches on the chalk or on the sidewalk. But the amazing thing is that they're they're basically a three-dimensional type drawing. So it is important for us and for you when viewing it that you have to view it from the proper perspective, from the right place. So this is what would that look like once you go to the right place and you view it through the camera. If you can see him... He's standing at the top, and now that distorted image of the globe that looked really strange from the side almost looks like it's standing up and not on the sidewalk. Let me go to, to one other one. So here we have this thing. You see, like, the, the metal pole sticking up out of the ground there, and it's very distorted because we're standing from a, a place where we're not in the right position to see and understand the picture. Now go to the next slide. Same picture. 
nothing has been altered. It's, it's the mind and the way that he skews it in such a way that it appears, and you can see the one, the one uh, antenna there is actually the pole coming out of the ground that you saw from the side. And it's very important. There's one more picture to show. This is another one of his. That's sidewalk. That's chalk on a sidewalk. So Julian Beaver, if you ever wanted to spend an hour and just be blown away, this is, it's amazing, you know, but it's, it's from proper perspective. Again, if you move to the other side, it doesn't come across this way. It's, it's to be viewed from a certain place. And what he usually does, too, is you view it through actually a camera to really kind of blow all your uh, limits off your mind. And you can just, you're kind of very immersed in it, as you can see. Incredible, right? And so perspective, it's, it's, it's where we, how we view something. Not, we can all view the same thing, but how we view it is, is really a, the difference, isn't it? It makes a huge difference. Now, the second thing, again, we, we talked about first, how do we see it? The second thing is, so what do we do when we are able to see it properly? And now I'm, I'm talking about something much bigger than sidewalk chalk, of course. Um, Neil Armstrong, when he was standing on the moon and was staring at the earth, he said this. It suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. I put my thumb and shut one eye, and my thumb blotted out the planet Earth. I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. This is taking a perspective of something. Neil Armstrong was viewing the Earth, and we're standing on the Earth right now, and, and the Earth is a vast, huge planet, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing to understand and, and grasp the size of the planet Earth that we live on. And here, Neil Armstrong, from a different perspective, was literally able to put his thumb up and cover the entire planet because of the perspective he was looking at it from. And in that moment, again, he didn't feel like a giant. Like he said, he said he felt all of a sudden very small, very small. There's many books that promote... In our, in our uh, society, in the secular bookstores, there's books that promote, you know, the right perspective, isn't there? That, you know, just look at the situation, you tell it, you know, it's going to be okay, and you're, you're good enough, you're strong enough, and you're going to make it through, and you convince yourself that if I look at this from the right, right stance or the right perspective, I can overcome this on my own. It's a, there's, there's an aspect to it that's good, but there also needs to be a realization that we can do nothing apart from God, that sometimes we look at ourselves so much and we make ourselves bigger than God at times, that we can do this in our own strength, that we can do this in our own power. It's this trait that's within us for some reason. But we need to focus not on the way that we're seeing our problems. See, and that's where the world tends to look at is they look at the problem and they try to convince themselves to make the problem smaller. Our perspective changes properly when we put our eyes on God. When we begin to see God and how amazing and how big he is, that puts us in a place to look at our problems in the proper perspective, doesn't it? One of the things that, that kind of spurred this in my heart and as it just grew was uh, a pastor named Louis Giglio. He did a, a message on, on um, how great is our God. And couple of the things he said in that were, were pretty amazing, and I'm going to share some of those with you today. But it's amazing because I'm not sure when he recorded that, but 
the, the data has even changed since then, and, and I'll, I'll share kind of those changes with you as we go. So you're going to get a little bit of an astronomy lesson here today. Um, but Genesis 1.1 says what? Everybody knows it, probably most people know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth, right? God created it all. God created everything. He is a creator God. So let's go ahead and go to the, the first slide. I want, us to, I want us to gain a perspective on, I'm going to say perspective a lot in this message, if you didn't get that. So you'll leave with one thing. So here is, this is a layout. I'm not going to go through every single planet because it would take way too long. So we're going to talk about some planets and some stars. So on the left there is Mercury. And on the right, everybody give a shout out, that's Earth. That's our home, right? That's a planet. You can wave, say hello. Pretty pretty good size, right? Compared to when it's in perspective of Mercury, we're quite a bit larger. Yeah? Is anybody into astronomy or this kind of stuff here? Okay. So, all right. So, I'll, I'll keep it online then. <laughs> You're going to keep me straight. The, the Earth's diameter is, is 7,917 miles or 12,741 kilometers. That's if you measure the diameter of the Earth. That's what you're looking at, 12,741 kilometers, all right? So that gives you a perspective of how big our planet is, correct? Now, let's go to the next slide. I don't know if you can see Earth still. Earth is that little tiny blue dot all the way to the left, all right? It's a little harder to see yourself now, isn't it? All the way to the right is Jupiter, okay? So we see, we see in relation to Jupiter how small our planet is getting, okay? All right? Is anybody kind of in awe yet? If, if not, it's okay because it's going to get even crazier. All right, go to the next slide. So remember Jupiter, how big it was. Now Jupiter's on the left, okay? That little tiny brown dot, if you can see it down there. That is Jupiter. To the right, the big blue thing is a star called Sirius, Right, serious. Now, you see that little gobstopper gumball thing next to that? That's our sun. That's the sun. All right. And just so, because we're familiar with the sun, let me give you some dimensions. The sun's diameter is 900,000 miles wide, or 1.5 million kilometers. Okay, 1.5 million kilometers. Earth was 12,741. All right. So we're seeing how big we're getting here our sun. Now let's go to the next side. Remember that big blue ball? It's on the left there. Can you see that dot, that little tiny dot down there? That's Sirius. To the right there is, is a star called Alderbaran. Now, our sun's diameter was 1.5 million kilometers. That star there was Aldebaran is 62 million kilometers in diameter, 38 million miles in diameter. Okay? Is anybody feeling as smaller yet? Okay, there's a couple people left. So we're going to keep going. Next slide. Elder Baron, oh, where'd you go? It's that little yellow spot to the left. <laughs> and all the way to the right is a, is a star called uh, Betelgeuse. 
Beetlejuice. Yeah, I was like, is that, can I say that? That's awesome. Beetlejuice. <laughs> so again, we're, we're getting a, a perspective here. All right, now I want to take another step, and this will be the last slide. Remember that star? Okay, it's to the left. It's not really tiny, but it is smaller. Now, I want to stop for a minute on the one called, the second one over called Canis Majoris. Canis Majoris. Now, that last big star, the Aldebaran, was called, was 62 million kilometers in diameter, right? Canis Majoris is 1.97 billion kilometers in diameter. Okay, we're not even to the biggest one yet. This is the second one over. And as Louis did, he used the golf ball, all right? So everybody's familiar with the golf ball, okay? If Earth were represented by a golf ball, so this is our planet right here, just to kind of give you an idea, Canis, Canis Majoris would be about as tall as Mount Everest. So if you place this ball in front of Mount Everest, that would be the size of the Earth compared to this star, Canis Majoris. To give you another perspective, around seven quadrillion Earths can fit in Canis Majoris. Seven quadrillion of our planets can fit in that. That's enough, if we were still using the analogy of the golf balls, that's enough golf balls to cover Kuwait 22 meters deep with golf balls. That's for Steve and Dwight. Seventy-two feet deep, or twenty-two meters deep, the whole country of Kuwait covered in golf balls. Now, let's move over to the big guy on the right. All right, this is called Scuddy, and again, the Canis Majoris is one point nine seven billion kilometers. Scuddy is two point four billion kilometers in diameter. I mean, when you say numbers like this, it doesn't, you can't even register it, can you? You're just like, wow, that's really big. <laughs> so let me, let me give it a perspective here. If you went to the airport and got on an airplane, let's say you flew to this little yellow ball here, and you wanted to fly around the surface of it one time, okay? And you, you traveled at an average speed, most planes, uh, 900 kilometers an hour or 600 miles per hour. Let's say you're going that fast. It's pretty fast, right? So it would take you nearly 900, how many think minutes? How many think hours? How many think days? Exactly. It would take almost 900 years to travel one time at 600 miles an hour or 900 kilometers an hour to circle it one time. How great is our God? How great is our God? In Romans 11, 33 through 36, it says, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows even enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much 
that he needs to pay it back. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Once we start to get our perspective of how big our God is, everything else becomes small, doesn't it? When we sit there and we try to to have an argument or a debate with God, or we try to tell God our opinion on how maybe he should do something, or we should question what God is doing or how he's doing it, we need to take a mental note of these images and how great and how vast and how amazing our God is, that he spoke the very the universe into existence. As we, as we look at the universe, we really, every time we go outside, and if you can find stars here, it's kind of hard, but when you see that sky or you see the sunrise, or your mind should automatically go back to how great and how amazing and how big our God is. Well, God is God over the great and the huge and the, the most amazing things of our planets and stars. He's also God over the, the smallest, tiny thing you can imagine. He made them. He made, again, the very fibers that we're made from. He didn't stop at just making the heavens and the earth, did he? He created a unique and, and a, a, a special creation called man, which we are. We have a special place and we get to be in relationship with God. In Psalms 8, 3 through 5, it says, When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you remember him? The son of man that you look after him. You have made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. Now, again, as fascinating as the expanses are, the human body is incredible. Not to be worshipped, which many do in, in the world. We, we edify ourselves and we have that tendency and the world does that. But it is an amazing creation. We are an amazing creation. You are an amazing creation that God made. It's been estimated that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. But there are more atoms in one grain of sand than there are stars in the universe. The human body is far beyond a grain of sand and it is estimated to have seven billion, billion, billion atoms in it. Okay, that's a lot. That's the amazing part. God's signature, God's greatness is on everything, whether the greatest or the smallest thing you can see under a microscope. His signature is there. Psalms 139, 14, it says, I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. We can praise God because we have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Again, we can see God's signature. We can see his hand in everything. I want to take a few moments, and I want to just speak about our, the human body and this, this amazing creation that God made. The human fingers, 
for example, are so sensitive that if they were the size of the earth, you could feel the difference between a house and a car. So our fingertips are so sensitive that if your fingers were the earth's size, that big, you could actually feel the difference between a house and a car. We have 60,000 miles or 96,500 kilometers of blood vessels inside our body. You can circumnavigate the earth two and a half times with that many blood vessels if you strung them out. The human eye is so sensitive that if the earth, earth were flat, you could spot a candle flickering at night up to 30 miles or 48 kilometers away. Nerve impulses travel to and from the brain at speeds of up to 402 kilometers per hour. That's faster than a Formula One race car. An adult is made up of seven octillion atoms. That's, I guess, how you say it in, in that sense, in the mathematic sense. For perspective, there's a measly 300, 300 billion stars in our galaxy. All right? A full head of human hair, if wound together, is strong enough to support 12 tons. For every pound of fat or muscle gained, your body creates seven miles or 11 kilometers of new blood vessels. And in one day, your blood travels 12,000 miles or 19,312 kilometers around your body. Again, we study, we know these things about the body and some people study and they look at it, and like I said before at the beginning, what do you do with that perspective? You can't, you can't stop at the amazing you know, dynamic of what our created body is. It'd be like looking at, again, the Mona Lisa or another famous painting and just stopping while it's great and amazing. What do we always do? We always look beyond to who created that masterpiece. While we can appreciate and stand in awe of the work itself, our mind always goes to the artist, right? The same is with our God. And if we lose perspective of who our creator is, we can begin to worship man instead of God. We can worship creation instead of the creator. You see, God's, again, God's signature is everything and on everything, everything and on everywhere. Our um, the next slide I want to show you is on the left is a, is a stained brain cell, a brain cell. And on the right is that, remember that cos, cosmic web I told you to look at? That's what that looks like. It's very interesting you can take a cell, compare it to the universe, and surprise, there's a similarity. Almost like somebody designed both of them. Almost like there's this trail of crumbs leading you back to the source. Now, some don't want to see that. Some don't want to view that or see, again, as we've said, that God's signature is on everything. And if I take it a step further, go to the next slide. This is, it's smaller. Those are the same two slides. To the right is actually our internet, if you were to look at it like that. And it resembles very much the cell and the universe. 
So I want you to get this, and I hope, I hope this is being conveyed. Not only did God put things in and make things, but his actual creation is creating things without even knowing it in the same pattern, in the same image as our God created everything else. It's all out there. It's all here for people to see if they will open their eyes and they will look. And they can deny God as much as they want. However, creation is now creating in the same shadow as, as our God created. When we're, when we're told that we're made in the likeness of our God, this is, this is what it means. We are made to create things. We are made to do things. And it all is a, is a, a shadow of what God has done, isn't it? How great is our God. In conclusion, as the worship team makes their way back, R.C. Sproul said this, the clearest sensation that a human being has when he experiences the holy, meaning God, is an overpowering and overwhelming sense of creatureless, creatureliness that we're created. He goes on to say, that is, when we are in the presence of God, we are humbled and become most aware of ourselves as creatures. This is the opposite of Satan's original temptation, that you shall be as gods. You see, the more time we spend in his presence, the more time we seek God, the more time we spend in the word of God, the more we begin to feel very small. Our perspective of God suddenly becomes very big. And church, today, my prayer and I hope that you leave this place with a different perspective of God than when you came in. We stand there, don't we? We stand there and we sing songs about Jesus be the center, holy is you, you know, your name, and we sing all these songs, but do we know what we're singing? Are we standing in awe? And I'm preaching to myself. We get so caught up in the things of this world. We get our eyes on our struggles and on our problems and on the good things and our life and the hurriedness and the traffic and just everything. We just get our eyes off of God. We get distracted and suddenly God becomes very small in our eyes. That's when our problems become very big. That's when ourselves, our pride can tend to grow. It's because we lose sight of how small we are. The more time we spend in his presence, the more our problems get smaller. The more time we spend in the presence of our problems, the more that God diminishes in our eyes. There, was, there are wrong perspectives a lot of times we see ourselves as Mount Everest and God as the golf ball. And it's not, it's not something that necessarily we do intentionally, but when we lose sight of God, when we lose sight of his majesty and his honor, you know, we are, 
We are allowed to come into the presence of God. We don't have to go through the priest anymore. We get to experience God's presence. And as I said a few weeks back, sometimes those things that become, that are every day that we are, we experience all the time can become just like handling paper. Just, it's just another thing. But God is to be reverenced. God is God. Another wrong perspective is that we see ourselves as the golf ball in our problem or circumstance as the Mount Everest. And again, I'm not taking away, believe me, I know my share of problems and struggles and trials. And I'm not taking away anything of what you're going through. And they can seem like that. I mean, you look at like David and Goliath in the Old Testament, there was a definite difference in size and build and the way everything appeared. But David had a different perspective, didn't he? didn't he? He chose to go out and face that giant and he he defeated him. Why? Because his perspective of God was in the right place and he knew what God had told him. And so he stood in the face of this mountain and struck it down and struck it down. So what is the right perspective? Simply, we need to gain a God perspective. From the minute we wake up in the morning, we have to turn our eyes, turn our mind, turn our thoughts, turn our emotions, turn everything towards God and acknowledge him for who he is. Because he deserves all the glory. Think about that, think about that statement. He deserves all the glory. What else can you say that about? You can't, you can't say it about anything else. Only God deserves all the glory. Anything we do in and of ourselves, It's only because God brought us to that place, allowed us to do that. That great thing you did at your job, it's because God created yourself, your being. He put the air in your lungs. He put the thoughts in your mind. He put you in a position that you were able to make that decision or build that thing or come up with that idea. And it's okay to, hey, great, I accomplished something, but don't lose sight of your creator and the one who gave you that opportunity. Right perspective also means we may, not, we may be just a dot in comparison to our problem. But again, God is our Mount Everest. God is that mountain that's standing behind us and sometimes in front of us, protecting us and caring for us. In Psalm 86, verses eight through 10, it says, "'Lord, there is none like you among the gods, and there is no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. You alone are God. And so church, as we close, and we're gonna, we're gonna close with a song here shortly. How great is our God. And when we sing this song, I want you to mean every single word that you sing. Don't sing the song if you don't mean it. Okay? It's not, it's not that I'm not, nobody's gonna look around. I'll make everybody close their eyes if you want. But if you can't mean it, then don't sing it. In church, listen, I'm guilty, right? We sing these songs, especially songs we know, and we just, they're just words. You know, the whole power of death is in, uh, or power of life and death is in the tongue, right? 
it just kind of fades away. We don't realize, and we don't, but we don't understand. We can't comprehend what we're saying sometimes, or just we just glance through it. And in closing here, as the last thing I want to do before we sing, I want to read from Job. Has anybody read Job before, chapter 38 and onward? Like, I just fell in love with God all over because he has like this, he, you know, Job's been complaining and all this other stuff. And then God pretty much says, okay, let's have a chat, okay? So I want to read just a few, few of these scriptures. This is what he says to Job. Actually, if you would, just close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to picture yourself. Picture that God is speaking this to you. Where were you when I established the earth, God says? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place? When I declared, you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place? So it may seize the edge of the earth and shake the wicked out of it. The earth is changed as clay is by a seal. Its hills stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked, and the arm raised in violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the oceans? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of death's shadow? Have you compared or comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What road leads to the place where light is dispersed? Where is the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flooding rain or clears the way for lightning to bring rain on an uninhabited land, on a desert with no human life, to satisfy the parched wasteland and cause the grass to sprout? Does the rain have a father? Who fathered the drops of dew? Whose womb did the ice come from? Who gave birth to the frost of heaven when water becomes as hard as stone and the surface of the watery depths is frozen? Can you fasten the chains of Pilatus or loosen the belt of Orion? He's speaking of the stars here. Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear and her cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you impose its authority on earth? Can you command the clouds so that a flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts and they go? Do they report to you, here we are? Who put wisdom in the heart or gave the mind understanding? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the dust hardens like cast metal and clouds of dirt stick together? Let's stand, church. Who can do all that? Who can do all that? That is the power of our God. That is the awesomeness of our God. And if you will not worship him, the very rocks will cry out. They will cry out in worship to God. Let's sing. Let's worship our God.